0: All right, hello, idiots, on parade, they too ugly for TV podcast. Absolutely unsure as to what this is going to be. This will either be an episode or a bonus podcast. I have my good friend, Barrett Antar Goodwin, musician in New York City with me. Hi, Barrett.
1: Hey, man, how are you doing today?
0: I am very well. I'm very exhausted. Uh, it's Sunday night. I don't know what the date is. Let me look at my watch. Uh, the 16th? Yeah, it's yeah. two days after Valentine's Day. And... Uh, who knows when this will either come out uh, as as an episode. Jake, uh, I think we're actually going to record. We 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 weren't going to make it, so I'm like, Barrett, will you record with me and we'll do an episode? And you said, yeah, let's do it. And then Jake said, no, no, I can record. And I'm like, all right. So I'll, we'll just have two in the bag, either <laughs> a bonus one or a regular one. Indeed. So I want to hit you with something right off the bat. Jake and I talk politics. Anybody that listens to the podcast knows that uh, Jake and I talk politics, but you and I... um We've known each other for fucking ever, and <laughs> we either delve into personal shit and or try to solve uh, racism, because you're <laughs> a black feller <laughs> and I'm a uh, cracker-ass hunky. <laughs> and uh, I use that term because that's the one that got me put in Facebook jail for yes. a month. I, call, I I used cracker-ass hunky, and they said, racial slur, hate crime. And I really liked your take on it, which was, go ahead and say it, like, yeah, that that... It's just absurd Because what you're doing What Facebook is doing Is basically Telling any Person of color a Black, Asian, uh, Latino That's been actually called A racial slur That cracker ass hunky" Carries the same weight As an yeah. actual hurtful slur yeah, Which is I mean, bullshit
1: It's nonsense I mean like If you're walking down the street And somebody yelled at you I mean have you ever seen a sign That said no honky allowed Ever in your life Even just mocking Like you know I mean It's not even a thing It's like, you know, the word has no meaning to it. I'm pouring water. No, and no no white person takes offense to it. So the fact
0: that Facebook tries to treat it as a leveling of the field, like we don't tolerate anything. It's basically disrespectful to any person of color that has actually faced racism.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess... Right, this is one of those like ridiculous. By the things, way, I don't right? know
0: what you're doing over there. You're making a ton of noise. I, know. I don't know if your I, microphone I, is picking it up, but it
1: is. I'm sorry. I was just I was pouring myself some water. Um, but yeah, so I mean, the problem is like I find it to be ridiculous, but it makes sense, right? Because at the end of the day, if you have to have a unilateral policy about, if you have to have a no tolerance policy about something, it's supposed to really mean no tolerance, right? So, I guess that's their point. You know, it, it. Like I can't be mad at them for it. I think it's kind of amusing that you just keep getting locked in jail, which is just funny. Cause all the shit I do see on Facebook, I'm like, really? Oh, yeah, I don't even care anymore. I, know, I just I know, find it it's just absurd. Kind of, it's I'm like, kind of funny at this stupid. point. Stupid. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a little ridiculous.
0: Here, here's funny. what's funny about it. Here, there are two things about me getting put in Facebook jail. Three things. Three things. Number one, and I swear to Christ, this is true. Every time I am put in Facebook jail at some point during my sentence where i'm banned from facebook a story hits where either about facebook a negative story about facebook hits the news um either it was the one where mark zuckerberg knew what russian bots were doing but didn't care or that he and cheryl sandberg tried to cover it up or their stock takes a hit and in this last one it was their stock i don't remember what the reason was but they lost you know several billion or tens of billions of dollars in stock value because of something and i don't remember but it's every time i get banned i i like it's a pick-me-up story for me (laughs) i'm not saying it's (laughs) karma it's just like hey look at facebook shit in the bed and it it amuses me every time uh the second thing that's amusing is oh shit i said there were three things and now i've forgotten them but one of them is they're oh i I remember whenever i'm banned they're always or when i get back Because I have a page, a corporate Nathan Timmel page, a comedian, like I have my personal one and then I have my professional one, Mm -hmm. they are constantly, every single time I log in, there is a banner ad saying, Nathan, uh, spend $20 to boost this post post of yours. I'm like, there's no fucking way I would ever give you money to boost a post. I'm not giving. <laughs> you put me in jail constantly, and you want me to give you money to boost a post so people see. Fuck you. And then the third thing that's hilarious is because my page is getting very popular, I am getting ads from Facebook saying, "Hey, you can start using uh, um, our ad creator to earn money off your page." And I'm like, no, that just means I would be. Yeah, I am I find that distasteful, too. It's a bullshit thing where I, an aggregate site where I just post stupid shit. I'm not going to try and make money off that. Yeah. And I, and if I'm making money, that means Facebook's making more money, and that bothers me, too. So it's just a stupid page that I post stupid shit on, and <laughs> I'm leaving it at that. Yeah. I, so it's funny, but the whole point is it's funny that they put me in jail, then they beg me for money, and then yeah. they tell me to advertise. Like,
1: yeah. I mean, they could at least offer it in the form of parole. That would at least make a little bit of sense if you paid them a little bit yeah. of money, so you could get out early, you know. But uh, this is—I
0: didn't want to talk about this. I just the the racial part was interesting because uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, but here, here's here there there I something happened last night that I did want to talk to you about. hmm Um, and it's like a, an M Night Shyamalan movie. There is a twist at the end, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, only it's not hopefully not boring to sit through like his movies. <laughs> um. So I, I hung out with a buddy last night, someone that I hadn't seen in, I would say, about a year. And we drove to a gig together, and he got in the car, and he started talking. And it was really interesting because it was, it was I don't want to say deja vu, but uh, maybe same old, same old. He got in the car, and he's like, ah, you know, I, I got to quit smoking. I got to, you know, working on quitting drinking. I got to get back to the gym, get in shape. And as I was listening, I'm like, huh, you know, this is, you know, what you say to me. This is all you've been saying for seven years. Like, seven years ago, we went down a nine hour road trip together and all he talked about for those nine hours was yeah I'm working on quitting smoking and the instant we got out of the car the first thing he did was bought a pack of cigarettes and I'm like you just quit smoking for nine hours you you had you had that was you quitting smoking for nine hours and yet the first thing you did was and so I'm listening to say all this and what I started thinking was okay I'm seeing his blind spots I wonder what my blind spots are that other people see as I'm sitting here listening to him talk about things that he never changes or never does. I'm like, I wonder where mine are like the same thing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not really judging him cause he's my buddy. I'm just sort of amused by it, but I'm realizing that yeah, I, when I get into a car with someone, they think the same thing about me probably. I, I, not I don't know what those are, what the things are that you know, I say, Oh man, this, this fucking sucks. And you know, or I say the same thing over and over. And make no progress Or don't do anything about it
1: Do mm-hmm.
0: you ever had that experience Or do you have uh, And maybe it's the whole thing of By realizing it maybe I can change it Or I have no idea But I just thought it was interesting that I You know the, the easy thing would be to sit there and judge him Like well dude just go to the fucking gym I'm just listening like okay you know that's just who he is I, I You know he's the guy that talks about Going to the gym instead of doing it Who am I? Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, this is, this to me is, this is actually like a minor obsession of mine. It is the, I think that our biggest flaw as humans, at least or as Americans, but I'll, I'll argue humans, but I can only really speak for Americans and I can ultimately only really speak for myself. I, I feel like the, our biggest problem is that, is an inability to see ourselves objectively, right? And... I think that one of the things that came that i've known for a very very long time but i've just really started to put into practice is that when i find something about somebody else that pisses me off or i find myself having conversations in my head and you know imagining somebody else's feelings those are generally my feelings right and i just can't see them because it is my blind spot but, oh, how we love to, to, you know, date, marry, befriend, and hang out with our mirrors. You know what I mean? You know, Like, <laughs> you hang out with, with the people you've chosen to hang out with or spend a lot of time with, and you will find yourself mirrored back to you in the worst ways possible. It's just what we do, right? And so... I Maybe think that's why I'm an introvert. Right. Exactly. Like, I, I, I hate myself so much that right? I don't want to be around me ever. Like right. uh, I've just got to be alone. I mean, but that that actually might be a real thing, you know? Like, I mean, you know, I can definitely think in introverted periods of my life when I was most introverted, it might have been largely because I couldn't deal with myself. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I I can't. I I. It's so long. It's been so long since I've been really introverted. So now it's like. Let me take it. You know, I don't know. It's let me
0: take your thoughts sideways, and mm-hmm. a, and I hate to yes. go political with it. I think I made I made fun of this on Twitter because it it sort of stuck out to me when uh, the New Hampshire primary took place last week and uh, Pete Buttigieg finished right behind uh, Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. and when Bernie Sanders was giving his victory speech, uh, some of the crowd was chanting uh, Wall Street Pete, Wall Street Pete. They they say he's backed by billionaires. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I read that, I'm like, I had a thought that I had four years ago when Bernie ran, which was his supporters are really no different from Trump supporters. They all hate Trump because Trump is evil and bad and blah, blah, blah. But what is the difference between chanting lock her up, lock her up and Wall Street Pete instead of like, OK, I like Bernie. But instead of I like Bernie, it has to be and fuck that other guy. And that's kind of what Trump supporters do. It's, it's they're all in this cult. And so it, the reason I thought of it is what you said. They say they hate Trump supporters because those guys are assholes, but they hate in others what they see in themselves or even if they don't realize it because they're going to their own rally and chanting, you know, instead of saying, yay, Bernie, you won. They're taking the time to chant about a different candidate and bitch about him.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's
0: it's just the whole thing of we hate those guys, and you're doing the exact same thing. That's where I was going with it. I know it's a long yeah. sort of throw that I just did there, but that's it's it's along the same side of sign of what you were saying. I, mean, I, I
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Though I mean, this is something you and I have spoken about this before, right? Like, I've gotten into completely, remarkably, illogical, irrational arguments with my left liberal friends. And I've gotten into arguments with my conservative right friend, right wing friends, you know what I mean, about maybe the same topic or different topics, because at some point they both tend to go off the rails. I'm like, wow, you guys are just off the rails like this is insanity on both sides. And it's like, right, there's a there's a kind of fanatic devotion, like religious devotion to something where you're not allowed to ask questions. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're on the yeah, right yeah. and you're just a little bit, you want to ask a question. Like, ah, eh, I mean, I'm kind of cool with all this other stuff, but this one thing here. Oh, you're just a rhino. It's like, whoa! I just wanted to ask uh, the a Mitt question. Romney thing. Right. Mitt
0: Romney gets excommunicated for right. voting to convict Trump, and suddenly he's like, he's not a real Republican. We should kick him out of the party. He's like, dude, he voted his conscience. You
1: right. Know? Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. And then, but then you have people on the left. Who are like if you ask a question about something else, then you're canceled and you're. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, isn't that just a ridiculous form of like Nazism, just in a different way? Do you know well, what I mean Jake, like,
0: Jake had a great comment? J- Jake um, was talking about AOC. There's a there's a Republican running against her, mm-hmm. and it's a immigrant African American immigrant woman. She uh, uh, so whatever she black. um... I don't know if she's from Jamaica. Maybe. I, the long and the short of it is it's the perfect candidate to run against AOC. It's not a white male Republican. Right. It is a black woman Republican. And Jake was laughing and said the thing about her district is she is like the Roy Moore of her district. Yeah. They could come out and say she's a pedophile. You know, or, or whatever, they, they could come up with the worst shit on her, but everybody would go, yeah, but at least she's not a Republican. Like, it's the same exact thing as happened in Alabama with Roy Moore, where he was a pedophile, is a pedophile, uh, alleged, don't sue me. Um, <laughs> and yet everyone still, every Republican still voted for him because, well, he, at least he ain't a Democrat. And so, like you said, it's the cults on both sides.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wonder because... And I'm
0: sorry I brought it back around to politics because I was I was just trying to reinforce no, what you said. It's, uh, it's our blind spots. And what we see in others is what we dislike in ourselves. I get that. Yeah.
1: But I mean, I think at the end of the day, though, re- the, oftentimes when I think about my life, I realize my life is generally in a weird, twisted way, a microcosm of what's going on in the world. Do you know, or in this country. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like...
0: No, ex- explain. Go further. Like, when you I, say, I, you know what I mean? I, I, well, I feel yeah, like, I don't.
1: I feel like the micro-macro are, are the same, right? Like, if I really think about it, and I'll have to stretch here because I haven't, had the comparison i haven't made the comparison in a while but i often find myself going oh that's funny what's going on in my head is exactly what's going on in politics or what's going on in my relationship with this person is exactly what's going on in politics right like i but okay. I, I haven't had it happen do you have in a concrete a example maybe no or... that's the thing no, i'm I... trying i'm trying to think of one and i just can't think of any at the moment <laughs> you which is what you just ridiculous made, me part, right? <laughs> made
0: me think of right you made me think of is uh, uh, occasionally very rarely, luckily, uh, very rarely, rarely, luckily, uh, Lydia and I will get in an argument or a fight, and I'll have a crystal clear thought like, "Ooh, remember this," so that when it happens again, I can say, "You know, like, like you're you're struggling now to find an example of right. something," and yet six months later we have an argument. I'm like, "Fuck, what?" What was I going to use in that argument? Like, no, that was the time you left the light. But it's like, so it, it just escapes me. Like right. at the time, I know I've got this yeah. concrete example of something that I want to use in the future, and yeah. then I just forget it. Like, <laughs> which fine. is good because it's probably not best to bring up like something from six months ago in an wow. argument in, in the present. Like, I mean, except with the women person, be doing it all the
1: time. Right, pew, pew. with the, with a person you're in a relationship with, it's generally not the best way to. Well, I suppose if you found a way to short circuit the thing and move on faster and then you went, well, next time this happens, if I do this, it will end it quicker in a much more peaceful way. That would be reasonable. That actually would make sense, actually. You know, if you're just thinking, oh, well, here's this thing. If she says some smart ass shit, I'm going to pop her with this one and that'll shut her the fuck up. Nah, no, I wasn't I, thinking I, of I like, comebacks. Like that, so I was right? thinking like
0: <laughs> examples of... But then again, in an argument, you're not supposed to say "You always do that." It's that <laughs> right. that thing you they do that I hate. But that's that's like you said, it's relationships. Yeah. Now, like I said, fortunately, it's few and far between. Yeah,
1: no, you guys don't have that kind of relationship. But um, no, I mean, what I've just found is that, like, you know, I, yeah, I can't think of any examples, but. But I do find that, that... But it's a feeling you have. It's it an overall is, emotion. It's, like, it's, as it's,
0: something's happening, you're like, whoa, I feel connected to this because of
1: yeah, something I'm going and, through. And, and I'm not sure if it's just that all... Like, there's only a handful of principles and things that act themselves out in life, you know what I mean? They just use different kind of ways, right? Like like Shakespeare topics, there's only a handful of topics, right? But you're just going to tell the same story in a thousand different ways. So... You know, by that token, I would imagine most of life mirrors most of life, right? In that kind of sense that there's only a handful of stories, right? There's only a handful of plot lines. They just, we all just act them out differently, but there's really the same plot line in, in most of the stories, right? Most of our problems are so remarkably garden variety that it's unbelievable, right? Like, I, I want it to be a But there are problems, the so they're yes. personal to us and we feel right. shitty. About exactly. They, they affect us. Right, Right. I mean, but I I found it, like, in my life, you know, like, you and I have been talking on the phone for hours, for for years now at this point, because we've lived far away. So we don't see each other all the time. We see each other very rarely, but we talk frequently, right? So over the years, I have a handful of relationships with a handful of people like that, and I have a handful of people that I see pretty regularly. But the conversations are not similar, But they are similar, do you know what I mean? Like, they're all different people, different characters, right? It's like jazz, I suppose, right? There's one or two sets of chord changes, but you kind of play over them differently. But at the end of the day, it's still the same chord changes. Do you know what I mean? So maybe, like, the commonality between my life and and politics is just that kind of thing that everybody has, and you're right, I'm just, I'm personalizing it. So I think that it's something special, but I don't know. I don't know if it's even special. I just know that I find that my life tends to mirror what goes on in the outside world. There's generally a parallel to something that's going on in my life with something that's going on in the political sphere. At this point, your girl AOC and all those ridiculous people, I don't have anything that parallels that in my life, thank God. But um, yeah, there you go. That's what I got. Um, All right. So
0: if that's what you got, let's backtrack. And let me ask you a question that goes back to where this started. Do you have an idea? Because this is a genuine question. I do not have an answer. How do we learn to see our own blind spots?
1: I mean, I think it's really just doing what you just did. It's just learning to ask the questions. And I think it really, for me, has come down to a position of learning that when I find myself in a position of judgment for others it's generally some part of myself I'm unwilling to see and that is a hard realization but I have found that that realization has actually we could move into this later on it has actually done remarkable things in my life to be honest with you right like Katie and I just got back from California. We're on tour, right? We were out there with the band playing, right?
0: Let me, I was just going to interrupt you and say, Katie Henry Band, uh, um, what's the website?
1: Uh, KatieHenryMusic.com. I think that's the handle on Instagram as well.
0: Yeah, so that you, you were on tour in California, and yeah. we, I was going to segue into that at some point because you said you had stories, so go ahead.
1: Yeah, so we're in California, and we're out there for a couple of weeks, and so, you know, we're all spending a crazy amount of time with each other, and so you start to just, you know, start to see people. You start to learn things about people that you may not have known before, right? And, and um. One of the things I noticed is that I took a lot of me time. I would go, like, I'd wake up, and if we were close to a beach, I'd walk to the beach and hang out. Because I was still on, like, i wake up... Well, let me Mm
0: -hmm. interrupt uh, quick and say that you and I spent a couple hours on the phone once because you were up at 6 a.m. and you said everyone right. else is sleeping till 10 a.m. Right, so absolutely. you had all this time yeah, in the morning. Right,
1: that's exactly what it was, right? So I'd be up crazy early, so I'd walk down to the beach at, like, 6 in the morning, watch the sun come up, watch the surfers and shit. Like, it was really fun. It was nice. But I would, I would spend – it was really nice to be reflective because I would be processing the gig from the night before and conversations and kind of just reviewing my day, right, like – one of the things I like to do is review my day at the end of the day or the next morning and just go, okay, if I had to do this day all over again, what would I have done differently? Like, knowing what I know now, what, how would I have lived this day differently? What things, you know? And it just gives me an insight into, oh, okay, like what you're talking about with Lydia. Oh, if this happens again, this is how I can put an end to it faster. Oh, if this happens again, this is what I need to remember this, things like that, right? And I found that to be helpful. What I did find, though, is my judgments. I'd find myself going off in these mental tangents about people and their resentments and this, that, and the other thing. And as I started to analyze it, I would say, well, I think they resent me because of this, 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 and this. And then I would think to myself, oh, wow. That's actually how I feel about myself. I resent myself for doing those things. Right? Because I actually did them to me. Like, I may have, this person may have no idea of these things, and might may just be projecting, or maybe that I, it is real, their resentment, right? It could be actually be plausible. But the actual resentment is something that I feel. And then when I analyze it even farther, I found that I generally resent them, too, for, for, for almost the same reasons that I'm projecting on them resenting me. Then I had to, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. And that was like some real shit to deal with. And so I think it just starts with that question. Like you said, what are my blind spots? I think it literally just starts with the question, which ties into exactly what we were talking about before with the the people on either side. It's the inability to ask questions that really stunts growth. But I think what you're talking about is just actually being able to ask a question like, wow, this person has these huge blind spots what are mine and just the fact that you ask it I think will actually lead you down a road to start finding them truthfully
0: well because that's I mean it does interest me I don't want to run from it but I will you said something that was interesting about uh uh getting up and reflecting and when you get inside your own head um that's the kind of shit that happens to me when I wake up at 3 a.m yeah and so what I've discovered uh for a while I was trying uh breathing exercises so that I would uh uh, listen to the sound of breathing to try and beat the shit out of the voices in my head. And mm-hmm. instead, I'm like, that oh, just doesn't work. I need to. I, I, I've, I've basically given up. So, what I do now is when I'm inside my head at 3 a.m., uh, thinking of all the failures and the self loathing and the this is all going to fall apart and you know, I'm a nobody and struggling and it should be better. Uh, I just get up and fucking read a book. I'm like, all right, it's 3am. I just go out in the living room and I'm going to read myself back to sleep. And that's what I do. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, I'll say like when I, because I've
0: always got to say is that negative thoughts are just they're They're, they're, they're no good to have in there.
1: No, I mean, I'll say, and this is the thing that i found to be most instructive in this process is that, I found that when I really start to think about some of the negative things, if I really can separate my emotional attachment to the anger and the resentment I feel from it happening, there's actually 100% of the time a lesson in there that is so important for me to get that it was actually well worth going through whatever I went through to get it once I can remove my attachment to the anger and 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 that's I think the biggest problem for me is that in order to maintain the resentment I have for a person or a situation I have to hold on to the to the effects of that Whatever that situation was, right? Somebody called me something and made me feel bad, right? I have to hold on to that feeling bad in order to maintain the resentment I have against them. Because if I can let go of that feeling bad and be like, well, fuck it, I don't feel bad anymore, I can no longer resent them, right? And it's that, that's the, that's the rub, right? It's like it gets fucked up because in order to get the lesson from the negative experience, the experience can't be seen as negative anymore. But once I actually was able to flip it around a little bit, I was able to get a lot of real value out of most of those things. Obviously things like tragedies and stuff, whatever, I don't say, oh, my God, the tornado that tore down this house had taught us some lessons. I think that's just some other shit. I just mean, (laughs) you know what I mean? I just mean, like, basically. I learned that
0: family is more important than my, whatever, my house. Right, right, uh, right. took that to happen. Right,
1: right. I don't mean in that sense, but. But I mean, although for some people, maybe that is what that is a really powerful lesson that they learn. Right. Like when you're true. here,
0: I am making fun right? and judging when I have no right, right. to. But, yeah.
1: um, right. I mean, at the end of the day. Right. I bet there, there are people for whom they they lost everything, but got their family and their few things that really matter to them out. And as a result of that experience, totally downsized their lives, realized all that bullshit they had wasn't important and have totally become different people. Right. And the worst thing in their life actually became the best thing in their life. I'll bet you there's dozens of people who've had that experience. Right. And that's generally most of us. Right. Like if you think about a lot of the worst things that have happened that are of your own design, most of them, you know what I mean? Like those kinds of things, you know, like.
0: I mean, well, let's let's go with the a simple, stupid one that I don't know we've ever really talked about uh, on record. You and I have talked about it our whole lives. Uh, two of our first relationships. Uh, we each had someone that uh, we, we put everything into and devastating and came out of it much stronger in the end, like it didn't feel like at the time. And this, it's, it's maybe stupid to relate a relationship to a, uh, a tornado hitting a house or whatever you have you, but um, given my childhood and emotional development or lack of it, uh, it was very helpful to go through a very damaging relationship and, uh, escape the thoughts of no one will ever love you to end up where I am today, which is a marriage that I'm very happy with, with two kids that I absolutely love. And like, would have never seen myself here 20, 25, 30 years ago, maybe not even 15 years ago. Who knows now? Nah, 15 years ago. I think I was, I was changing, but, and, and you, similarly for you, but once you get that, no one will ever love me thought out of your head, it's it's that uh when the student is ready the master appears bullshit
1: yeah i mean i i think whatever i think you know not to quote the alcoholics cuz i know people have real problems with aa i'm not sure what people's real problems are with that with the 12 steps You know what I mean? The ones
0: I've heard are the people that have problems say it's that they turn everything over to a higher power and they don't take any responsibility. That's just what I heard. uh, I don't pay too much attention.
1: Right, right. You're right. That's the one one that everybody wants, and that ultimately, I think, comes down to people just don't want to give up control. It's not that the... See, that's the funny thing, right? Like, there's two... Again, there's two ways to look at that good side, bad side, right? Oh, give it all up to a higher power because I have no control, or just give up the need for control. Right. Like largely our lives are shitty because we have this vast need to control everything and everyone around us. Right. We have to maintain our comfort zone. And so everything around us must be carefully monitored and managed to make sure that we feel a certain way all the time. And we have this incessant need to tell everybody how to live and do all this stuff. It's kind of insane. Right, And I think that's the thing that people don't want to give up. But I think that whatever it is that leads you to introspection is really valuable. The problem is most people, as the alcoholics say, have to hit rock bottom. They really do. Like, at least for me in my life, I had to hit an emotional rock bottom to realize that a lot of this stuff was my own doing, right? As much as this other person, it doesn't mean I'm wrong about my assessment about them, it just means that, like, I had a lot to do with that, too. If I was in a relationship with somebody for 18 months and they treated me like shit for 18 months, well, they didn't make me stay. Do you know what I mean? That's they, that's right?
0: exactly what I was thinking, and that's where I was going to go because it brings it back to the relationship I was talking about where I know so many people that, uh, sadly, uh, for, for years and years and years, and I'm talking decades, uh, they go through something bad. And they're like, this person did this to me. Uh, I'm swearing off men. I'm swearing off women. Fuck everyone. You know, like, I can't believe that. And they, they just carry it with them. Whereas, fortunately for me, I went through my shitty situation. And, yeah, for a year, uh, there was a bit of, I can't believe she did this. And then once I took a step back, it was like, well, I, I was there hand in hand the entire time. Yeah, I could say she did it, but I could have walked away at any point. But I just stayed there that's on me huh so I guess I kinda offered myself up well why would I do that you know and then it goes into this examination and it's not a matter of beating yourself up and saying it's all my fault because that's a different path this is a path of instead of pointing fingers it's personal responsibility it's not self-blame or beating yourself up it's just it's personal responsibility and that I think goes hand in hand with uh, introspection
1: yeah and I I think that that we just have a real I won't say I, I always say I conclude everybody into this I, 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 for a long time, had a very real problem with the difference between fault and responsibility because cause I was very much raised that if something was someone's fault, it was their responsibility. The problem is is that in my own life, many things are things that I didn't ask for, that people gave me, that I inherited, that I went through, whatever it was, and it wasn't my fault but it is my responsibility to deal with it. And that's the problem that I had, is I think for so many years, you can actually point the finger, right? Like if we're talking about, like, listen, my parents were great, you know what I mean? But there are ways in which they did not do amazingly well. They didn't prepare me for certain things, and that's not their fault. They did the best they could. But for years, I just blamed them for the fact that I didn't have these skills instead of just went out and go out and get them. Right? Like, it's not like... They, I mean if they could have taught them to me then I mean somebody else could teach them to me too right but the, the 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 thing is that I don't have them but my parents weren't the only people who had those skills and I was well aware of the fact that I didn't have them and yet there was not a motivating factor in me that said go out and get them yourself right like right I, I think develop. that's
0: normal for anyone that's uh, say you know a child teenager and then early adult like your your or young 20s. Right but there comes a point where you need to square your shoulders and go wait a second my bullshit is my bullshit like right i i i read a quote um a tweet something one of those things that went viral because it was uh, you know kind of neat insightful in a way it said uh if and i'm i'm going to get this entirely wrong hopefully i get the spirit of it correct mm-hmm. the the tweet was something like if you have had a traumatic experience and you are still saying this traumatic experience is the reason I am who I am 10, 15, 20 years later. No, that's not the case. The traumatic experience gave you an opportunity to be something or someone, and you chose the victim path as opposed to, you know, the. at some point you have to take control of your own bullshit. I, I, that was not even close to the tweet, but it makes sense, right? That's the the, yeah, the, I, the spirit of
1: it. Yeah, I, it's funny because I I know the tweet you're talking about, and I can't, Quoted either, but I remember me. I didn't even know it went viral. I just know somebody sent it to me, and I was like, oh, okay, it's one of these things, and I didn't know it was actually circulating. Um, Yeah, I I think, you know, it's funny, because I know know a woman we dated years ago. Um, She'd been hurt by a man, like he ended up, I think, cheating on her and having a kid with another woman and then like leaving her for that woman but still being in the same town you know what I mean so she had to see them all the time and it was really hard for her because she really was into him and like it just broke her in a way that was profound you know and I, I think that like since then she has and this was years ago Do you know what I mean Because, I mean, this is probably 15 years ago at this point, you know, maybe more. And she will not allow a person into her heart past a certain point. And it is so sad. And we're friends to this day. Like, we're friends. Like, good friends, you know? Like, we dated for a hot second, but we remained really good. Like, we've become really close friends over the years. And I can say that like, it's really sad because she's an amazing person and she just won't let people in. She just will not. She, you know what I mean? Like, and it's so sad because like she's lonely, but she won't let anybody in to cure the loneliness, even though people try Do you know what I mean? Like, it's really sad.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, and that's a prime example of it. Um, you know at some point you have to say that was one person and yeah it really fucked me up and it hurt and it was so damaging yeah however i uh to uh, quote elton john i'm still standing uh yeah. even after all these years and uh yeah you you have to it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy i will always be lonely i will always be hurt yeah and, and just that one case but i mean there are six billion oh. people on this planet,
1: but i mean let, let let's segue that very topic into another topic right the The belief systems i that's what I find I find that people have belief systems and the belief systems that we live by are the things that actually guide our lives, not what we think but what we actually believe on a on a, on an unconscious level right and most of that shit is programming really
0: but like god i hope that's not true because i would hate to think i am where i am because of (laughs) no a a belief system that i would really love to change
1: i mean but but i would i would bet you every penny that you have up against every penny that i have i probably both would end up with the same 13 cents right Uh, no you might have 26 um but you know i th- I would imagine that you are where you are exactly because of your belief system, and I would say that it can be changed, but that it's not easy
0: i mean and maybe that's my blind spot to to bring it to a uh, yeah not a full circle, but my blind spot is I don't see that my belief system is keeping me in the rut i am right. professionally right. personally very happy professionally well let me let me let me go sideways with yeah. professionally i an interesting experience over the past couple weeks and you and i've talked about this before uh where on friday not this past friday but a couple friday friday i i was doing a gig and i walk in and it's not an old folks home but the average age of the audience is 70 and i'm like all right and the opening comic is just nervous as shit he's like i i don't know how to relate to these grandparents i'm like "Mm, i bet i can do it and i had a great fucking show yeah i had a fantastic show the very next night, the same two comics, me and another guy, we go just to a bar, and it's a uh, sort of a country bar, not a Bob's Country Bunker, not uh, no chicken wire on the <laughs> on the stage. But I got the sense, in my own way, that uh, that if I had said Trump, would, would, actually I did insult Trump, and they got quiet, and I told them to fuck off. You know, but <laughs> I had a great show, I had a fantastic show, completely different audience, and then. Uh, last night now we're talking very last night the 15th saturday i went to a goddamn biker bar full of marines and fantastic fucking show like three completely different audiences i'm like and i'm not selling out to every audience but i'm just tweaking who i am enough like oh i get it this is what they're looking for i'm still going to present me and my material but i'm going to present it like this and so where was i going with this i have no idea just like fuck I have no idea where I was going like I'm I guess maybe that I'm a better comic today than I've ever been and maybe my blind spot is keeping me from utilizing it because I feel just trapped like okay I really can do this well and yet no one in any big profession you know and, and anyone that can help me seems to take zero interest in me when i reach out and like ask for help like hey i'm this guy right here i I bet i could do nope you're not okay i'll go away
1: yeah um
0: i don't know what sent me down that path you said something and i had a very clear thought of what i wanted to explain and why i wanted to say it and halfway through talking about the biker bar i'm like where was i going with this
1: (laughs) well i mean Uh, i'll say that um there's a couple things you said that are really interesting because one of the things that I've always struggled with in my life is the uh, is the ability to be genuine, right? I've never... I, I haven't always felt like a genuine person. I, I've really been one of those people who suffered from, like, an imposter syndrome type thing. And I've had it for... since... Uh, it's funny because, like, I can think of incidents from when I was a child that would say to me now from an adult perspective, oh, wow, I really had that feeling way back then. Like, holy shit, I've had that feeling since I was seven or since I was 10. Or I can remember some situation when I was really young where I was really dealing with that. And much of my life has been spent really trying to figure some of those things out. That being said, when you talk about really being able to go through those, those three different experiences, and you've mentioned that before, that you've been able to go into different places and really be able to just tweak yourself a little bit. I think what that really is, when I hear you say that, I think that's really amazing because what that really is, is an ability to stay genuine while, while just changing the mask a little bit, right? Right. You just change the mask that you wear just a little bit, but you still are genuinely you. So they still get to feel your presence, right? Because music and comedy are very similar in that way, right? Like, it's not the joke. It's the joke teller, right? It really is. Like, the jokes almost don't matter. They, they do, but they almost don't, right? Like, like haven't you been in situations where you've seen people who aren't funny just say shit because they're just funny people, you know what I mean? And then, Absolutely. And then you've seen people. Well, what you make me material, think of, let me interrupt. You know? Yeah.
0: Let me interrupt quickly and I apologize. But, uh, Michael Stipe once said of REM, he said, the lyrics don't mean shit. Like I, I could read lyrics off a cereal box. Yeah. Um, the fact that we're singing them, people react. And he right. wasn't like saying it in an egotistical way. He's saying, I mean, listen to some of their, their popular songs, uh, the end of the world, and we know it. He's just shouting out random shit. You know, everybody just sort of mumbles along. França, Leonard Bernstein. It's the one part that everyone knows of the song. I mean, the lyrics don't matter. I mean, so uh, like you uh, say, the jokes uh, don't matter. It's it's the the the, the telling of them. It's the yeah. the 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 way the band sells what they have,
1: yeah. it, and.
0: Yeah, and I'm not trying to hoodwink any of those audiences. No, what I'm look- doing is I'm looking no, at them and saying, how can I relate to these people? How yeah. can I get them to relate to me? How can we make a connection? Because that's well, what I'm trying to do and, is I'm trying to connect with them and, and, and get them laughing.
1: And see, to me, that is actually how, see, this, it, it turns into, into this thing, right? This is where your belief system really shapes your experience, right? The, uh, the one guy walked in there and decided he couldn't relate to them. Now, that's not true. Because one day he's going to be old, and they used to be young, and they remember it. So all he would have to do is start off every joke with, remember when? And they'd be like, oh, yeah. And they would totally, you know what I mean? Like, like it wouldn't even have been that difficult, honestly, right, for him to find a no. way to relate to them. But he couldn't do it, so he had a shitty show. You went in there and went, okay, this is ridiculous. One day I'm going to be old, and they were one day young. <laughs> so whatever you said Actually, to let me interrupt you,
0: because this is, what's funny is... He had an all right show with the elderly crowd because he kept talking about how awkward he felt. And they they thought that was funny. Like, right. he, he just kept making fun of the fact that he didn't know how to relate to them. And that worked. I mean, then honesty very generally next night, tends
1: to work oddly enough.
0: Yeah. But then the next night when we got in the bar crowd, he's like, yeah, I'm home. These people I got. And he actually had a much much worse show in front of the primed for comedy. And I, I was standing in the back going, this is very interesting that the, the the first night he was on stage saying i don't know if i can do any of my jokes i'll try uh and people would laugh like yeah go ahead try we're with you and then the next night it was like yeah here we go here come my jokes and the audience was like eh, eh, you know that's all right okay yeah yeah, yeah kind of cute and then i got up on stage and was like kaboom i was it was you know like i i recorded it and was just very happy with the response yeah. how old is he um uh, or, somewhere in the 30s I mean, more the 30s.
1: importantly how long has he been doing comedy on a, on a professional level that's a much more that
0: question. probably not not too long yeah like I, he was doing he was doing opening slots uh he was doing like 20 30 minute slots and I would estimate he had probably 15 really subtle millions of material I'm like eh, I'm not sure they should be in this slot but what are you gonna do
1: yeah I mean I think that that's re- you know I think the real problem with the, with having a youth obsessed culture is that like you know we forget that like when you read the stories of half your idols you know not that Eddie Murphy was your idol but you think back to those days he was a kid he was a child oh, absolutely
0: he was 19 goddamn he was years a old
1: child you you read, 19. you know you read the stories about Eric Clapton and the Beatles and how they're all sleeping with each other's girlfriends and stuff yeah cuz they were 19 and 20 years old and that's what college kids do do you know what I mean? <laughs> right? It's like, like we look at how could they do that? Oh my god! Blah blah blah. blah. It's like, oh my god, because they were children. They're acting like children. That's why they smashed up hotel rooms, did like that because they were fucking twelve. That's why, right? But I I think that there's something that happens. I think it's really almost sad in a way when we live in a youth obsessed culture because when you do art, you actually get better with age. Do you know what I mean? Like you're you're like you're not like you don't peak do you know what i mean you peak in terms of where your popularity is with people right with where your stuff is topical and shit but you don't actually peak skill wise your skills just get better and better like i don't love sting songs the way i used to like police songs but he's a significantly better singer performer and player by by a yeah, of magnitude, that's huge. I just don't particularly like his writing as much, but he's a much better writer now. I just don't relate to it anymore. Do you know what I mean? But, no, you know I, I I mean? feel it's that crazy, exactly. Like right?
0: I I I absolutely agree. And I was just gonna say one thing is I uh, like within the past two months, someone I actually saw Sting on tour and recorded it on their phone, and it was you know forty five seconds of Message in a Bottle, and I'm like that motherfucker still has pipes yeah, I and mean, he keeps right. good care of himself
1: yeah, man. and he sounds great he looks great his playing is solid his it's like man he sounds better than ever do you know what i mean you, you know i mean i'm not a massive john mayer fan but i watch him with the the he plays with dead and company now and i'm like man he sounds better than ever you know, well, let's, let's go it this way. I, I would, you know what I mean? It's like, good Lord.
0: I, you talk about betting uh, every penny you have versus every penny I have, and I'm. Uh, this isn't a betting thing because I know you're with me. I would combine both uh, uh, our uh, 13 cents to make that 26 cents and put it up against <laughs> anyone who would dare to say that Dave Chappelle's most recent special is not as good as one of his early ones because that would be bullshit. I mean, it's Isaiah's so much. His most recent it's, special no, it's is the best. Better. You know, it's just I fantastic. Mean, he's, 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 you know, and everyone thought right. he was a genius in the '90s, and he's achieving that level. Or maybe it was the '2000s, but either way, he's
1: right. he, he's so much yeah. better now. Here's what I'm gonna say. I, I'm gonna say that you you do not know. This is, comes back to that control thing. You do not know where life is gonna take you, right? His his. I think his dad got sick. He moved back to Ohio and took some time off. And that turned out to be the best thing he did, which actually then gave him what he needed to go on to become the Dave Chappelle we now know and love, right? It's like these things in your life, when you think this thing that you're going to have to give up is actually the thing that, is gonna, that saves you. It's generally like, you know, in the hero's journey, the dragons that we have to fight in, what is it, Plato's cave, the cave we got to get out of, it's generally yeah, us. Yeah. It's us. We have the dragons you have to fight are inside of you. That's where they are. And generally, my, my experience personally has always come back to the shit I'm most ashamed about is actually my badge of honor. That's literally like, because I'll, I'll be honest, right? My, the whole growing up with a dual consciousness, right? Growing up in a working class black neighborhood and then going to school in fancy white prep schools with, with real children of privilege. Right. Not like pretend privilege, like real privilege, you know, like and living, being trained to think like them, but being being raised in a working class black neighborhood. I. It's been like a weird source of shame, my life. Right. Like, I'm too black for this, but not not black enough for this. Right. But, once I got past the point where I was like, "Wait a minute, black is not something it's not an act it's not a behavior it's who I am, and it's who I am, and I find that this country's definition of black I find it to be remarkably limiting to me, so I refuse to 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 use that definition for myself anymore. Do you know what I mean and like and really owning the parts of me that were really well educated in not being ashamed of those things, when I'm in places where that's not the norm, but then also not being ashamed of these other things when I'm in places where that's not the norm, and really learning how to combine those two things together—be it music, right? Like musically, right? Like you in my neighborhood, you you went, you played in church or you played in rock bands. We didn't go to church, so I played in rock bands. So you know what I mean? I'm a black dude who's educated in 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 really fancy white schools who played in rock bands as a kid but grew up listening to Motown and Funk and Soul, right? So it's, like, all these things that, like, once I put them all together and I stopped them being segregated in my own mind and stopped being ashamed of these things that, like, people would make fun of or didn't fit in one community but fit really well in another, right?, Once I put them all together, it really turned me into a musician who now seems to have a pretty reasonable life because of the diversity of my influences. Do you know what I mean? Like, I actually legitimately make a living on the diversity of my influences musically.
0: And that's fantastic, and how many years did it take you to figure that out is the thing. my whole life.
1: It took me up until arguably like two weeks ago. Not two weeks ago, but literally the last two years of my life have been me actually putting that shit together. But once I actually started putting it together, and it started with a question very much like what you're you're saying, right? What are my blind spots? That's literally the same kind of questioning that led me to the place that uh, ultimately put – brought me to where personally I feel the most musical freedom I've ever felt in my life. Also, my skills are at a much higher level, right? Because I'm older and I practiced the fuck of a lot of hours and played a shitload of gigs. Do you know what I mean? But I think for you, the same thing is true, right? I think I would bet you that there are things in your life that you keep segregated because of shame and discomfort, And, and, and if you brought those walls down and into, like, I think knowing you personally, if you integrated your rage into your comedy, I think it would explode because you have a, you have rage inside of you and you have no outlet for it. And comedy is an amazing outlet for it because everybody has it. And everybody's afraid of it. Because it's actually kind of dangerous. Right? But you actually have a really safe pressure relief valve for it. You know what I mean? And if you can express yours through that way, you give other people who identify with you the ability to express theirs through you in that way. Which really does make the world a better place. And it gives you an outlet for some shit that you have. You know what I mean? Now, it also could be it doesn't have to be rage. It, I think that there are intense emotions. I think it, I was going to say know. because
0: I I, I don't want to argue with you because it's true, but the, uh, the the anger. The problem is my stage time is the escape from that right. when I'm talking <laughs> from the stage. Right. That's joyous to me, and I'm making people laugh. Oh, and, that's
1: and funny. yes, it's true. Right. So I mean, I guess. And when I do
0: try and write an angry bit, the problem is I have no jokes. Um I got, and it's, it's, I don't know about angry bit, but like, um, I had an idea, but I just, I have no joke. It's just the coronavirus and the idea that, uh, that it came from people in China eating shit they shouldn't eat, and just, you know, it's twenty fucking twenty. Right. God damn it, China, get your shit together, and it just makes me angry. I, but I have no jokes there right but, but yeah i have I, I just I mean, have this constant rage but, you, but I don't you know, know
1: but we just determined earlier in this very conversation it's even on tape somewhere that jokes don't matter you know uh that is, true. I, that is I, true I mean here's what i would say it doesn't have to be rage it doesn't have to be anger i'll find i find this passion it has to right it has to be you ha- you connect with people through emotion not through logic. So the way that you actually reach another person is through their emotional channels, right? So however you need to do that, but generally if you're standing on stage, the amount of emotion it takes to get through to them is extreme. It really is. It takes a, And that's what I have found is it takes a certain amount of fearlessness, right? Like I've been working on singing, not because I want to front a band, although that would be fun to do every now and then, like... You know, be a New York City cab driver for a day, front of band for a day, type thing. You know, but I it would be fun. But like, what I find is that like when I'm singing, what I lack in technical facility, if I can really inject emotion into it, even in recordings, if I'm not singing, if I'm not even singing in tune, and I'm not, I can't, but I'm not pronouncing words properly. If I can really inject enough emotion into it. I can get to the point where it doesn't matter. And I was like, "Holy shit, that's incredible." Like that's incredible because I can emotionally connect with a person and they will tolerate my vocal shortcomings. Not on recording, but live. Recording you have to huh. have your shit together. But live, yes yeah, so and no. You I mean, yeah, recording it, but I,
0: I I talked to I wrote about this and I've I've thought this for years. Um that I wrote a blog that I think I called It's Better to Be Ugly and Imperfect Than Beautiful. It was something like, and the whole point of it was, I was talking about, think of the, the, the bands, the sing, and it's usually bands, the singer-songwriters you connect with. Um, and it can be any of them. Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen, Bono. They have unique original, different voices. Yes. Not a single one of them could be considered an American Idol-type singer. They could not, they would all get rejected in the first round. Oh, yeah. By comparison, Beyonce, very good singer, never heard anything come out of her that I thought was genuine. I guess recently she's been changing that with the, getting political within the past couple of years for Super Bowl show, but I'd already, and this is me being a dick, I'd already written her off by then. Because everything yeah. up to, to now has been just, you know, like, whenever it's a ballad, sure, it's like, oh, I love you so much, or you broke my heart, but there's no emotion in it. It's just, you know, it's it's contrived pop. Yeah, and I mean, you think of a lot of the people that can actually sing, or again, just to use that, American Idol, they go on and they can go up and down the scales, but there's nothing behind it. It's a, it's a blank slate. Whereas Anthony Kiedis, he has as narrow a range as I do, but you know, when he puts it into a song, when he means something, he fucking means it. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I would I would say that that the when it comes to the Beyonce thing, and um, I have no proof of this, but my guess is that that music wasn't written for you, so that's largely why you don't connect to it. Because it just wasn't written for you, you know what I mean? I bet you the girls who hear it and people who hear it, they totally hear the emotion because it was written for them to reach their emotional channels, not yours. But I, I, I do hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I tend to think that in this case you're right I, because I don't say that to say, like, I shouldn't learn how to sing better and learn how to sing more in tune and blah, 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 and all that other stuff. My point is more that talent is not the driver in art. Not in the way we think it is. Like, we think that talent is the driver, but talent and skill are not the same thing, right? They're, they're, they're like, like, I think we use those words, like, communism and socialism mean the same thing. They don't mean the same thing, you know what I mean? Talent and skill aren't the same thing. And so skill is not the driver in music talent might be the driver, but skill is not the driver. And the talent is not singing in tune or that the talent is reaching people through emotion, right? Because you would like, all the singers that you named, right? Like, I'm not a huge Petty fan, but the people who love Patty feel like he speaks to them. Like, he's a god. Like, these right. people, I know people who think... I just chose you know, him I mean, because he does not but, have but, what I mean, is considered he's, a classical he's, voice. He's a, perfect, he's a perfect choice. But, I mean, him... I mean Bruce Springsteen, right? Another perfect choice. It's like, yeah. I mean, the guy people, uh, Jerry Garcia. I mean, people follow them for years, devote their lives to these people. Well, they music. were all stoned, right? <laughs> yes, that's true. Drugs do help, but but you know, like there, there's something to be said for that. But I think the same thing in your world, right? There's oftentimes, and and, I, and I'll use a name here, and I know that again. I don't think his jokes were written for me, so that's arguably why I don't find them to be remarkably funny. It's because they weren't. He, I'm not his target audience, but I don't find Dane Cook to be very funny. But I do find him to be a funny person. I'll bet you if I hung out with him, he'd have me pissing my pants laughing because I think he's just a funny guy. I just think his jokes are not funny. But I think if somebody wrote really funny jokes for him, he'd actually be really good because I think he is. He has a good delivery mechanism. I just don't think he's very funny. Do you know what I mean? I don't find his jokes to be funny, but I do laugh. Like, but it's just like I'm like, uh eh, this isn't really it's funny. That's like the same it's thing you've um... said
0: about me and Beyonce. He has his audience, the people right. that like him, hear yeah, the funny. The hear, people that right. like Beyonce, they right. they relate and, to her and, and, on that emotional level. Whereas right. I'm sitting there going, yeah, right. that's just studio and, nonsense. And, and,
1: and maybe that's how maybe that, and that's true, right? Like when it comes to him, he may not, I may not be his target audience, so I have to like. Put that out there that that could be true. I just don't find it to be funny, but I do find him to be funny. Do you know what I mean? And the same thing. And with, here we are uh, when
0: when you're talking about Dane, and I'm saying beyond, we're talking about people that are right. she is Huge. Multi, Huge. multi 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 millionaire, and she yeah right. I mean, We're talking about I mean, people that right. I mean, are doing ridiculous. things we could only dream. Right, of.
1: it's ridiculous for us to be talking about them. But Chris Rock too. I think Chris Rock's a really funny person when he has good writers. Right, like when he has writers, I think he can really deliver a joke. I feel that way about half the Saturday night, like the late night show, the late night hosts. Right, I think they're really good at telling jokes and really good comedians. They just have shitty material, because like the the material has to be written every single day, and so like I watch some of these late nights, I was like, this just isn't funny. I'm like the Trevor Noah stuff Only like, this just isn't funny Like I don't even And I, I, maybe I Really like I listen dick.
0: to his podcast every day And I, I enjoy it, the. I, 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 I hate to be a dick and say I miss John Because I do right. But I, I, I don't watch the day show I listen to the podcast every day And I quite enjoy his take it, It's not always bust making me bust out laughing But it does give me right. insight Oh
1: I think the show is very entertaining I just don't find it very funny I find the jokes okay. to be I find the, the the monologue jokes, those things to be really dumb. The 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 rampant the fact that like every single one of them, almost every show, there's at least some fucking ten or fifteen minutes of Trump nonsense. I'm like, really? Is this all we're gonna talk about now? Is like I feel like it's like a plot or a plan or something where like they've just decided that all the late night shows, all they're going to have to, all they can talk about is Trump for a good, like a good portion of the show has to be Republican bashing. And I love to bash Republicans all day, really. I wish I could play whack a mole for real with them. I mean, that sounds mean. It's not untrue, but it sounds mean. Um, but
0: it's not like they don't have it coming. Right.
1: But it doesn't mean that I want to, it's like, it's like when I go back to the nineties, I said this to one of my black friends the other day, and he got he kind of got annoyed at me, but I went back I was looking at some comedy from the nineties, and it was like a bunch of black people who were kind of moderately funny, making fun of white people a bunch. I was like, yeah, I can see why people got sick of this, like I could like in retrospect, like at the time, I was you know like Fuck you crackers, right, but like you know, I'm kidding. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that. Oh, I probably was at that time. I probably <laughs> was thinking that. <laughs> thinking, fuck you, crack. Because you deserve it. But ah, whatever, nonsense, right? But like as an adult, I look back and I go, yeah, that was a bit much. Like it was a bit much. Like you know, one or two of them would have been fine. You know, dude, we didn't need the market saturated with people talking about how white people can't dance. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, why, like we really didn't need that, you know how white women have flat behinds, okay, and white people can't dance. It's like, all right, really another one. But that's how I feel can these I, days. Can I, I
0: tell you from the white person perspective? <laughs> yeah, you were saying we didn't give a fuck. I don't think we noticed. I right, mean, this, this, this was a. Uh... Happening in all the urban clubs, uh, right? I urban mean, being a code uh, word for black. I mean, yeah, they, that's we, the
1: thing, right? Like, like all the non—it was just like, but it was like the thing that, like, black comedians, like, if you wanted to get be funny, you could just get up and make fun of white people and have a a, a moderate career. If you wanted to be really funny, you couldn't do that. But if you wanted to just like be a little bit funny and have a career, like, it was such low hanging fruit, and we all just went for it, like made all our pies out of the lowest hanging fruit possible it was ridiculous but i feel and that's how i feel about all the trump shit but it's that's like, you know
0: always what sells the lowest hanging fruit that's oh, why the blue collar comedy was so popular that's I mean, why I, I, uh, uh, old town road was so popular and it was funny i'm not trying to shit on old town road because i heard about old town road for about two weeks before I actually heard the song, if that makes sense. Like I'd heard there's this popular song and now there's controversy. Is it going to be played on a country station? Should it be played on a country (laughs) station? Is it racism? I heard all the bullshit. And then my daughter came home and said, uh, and I can't say the word because then she'll play it, uh, (laughs) hey, robot device in my house, play this song. You know, And it started playing. And my daughter's friend was over maybe two friends or my son was, so I, my kids are five and seven and the kid next door is eight or nine, something and they all started singing along. And I literally went, oh, I get it. <laughs> this is basically a Hanson song. This is m-bop. That's yeah. And I listened, I'm like, this is objectively not a good song. I, it does nothing for me. It's just not, it. but it's Mbop. It's, it's for kids because they, at, at some point he says something about his butt and they all would scream that line like, my butt, and then they'd laugh. Right. And I'm like, this. This is just a song for kids. That's why it's so popular. Yeah. And it just sort of bled over into, for some reason, some adults liking it. I don't. I get mean, it, I
1: but. would argue that most of the popular music, and I won't mention names because people always get pissed at me when I say these things. And rather than you know get all your listeners angry, I, I yeah.
0: Again, I'm just shitting right. on a guy that made a million no, dollars mean, over the again, course of the
1: Right? Year at, again, yeah. you're absolutely right, and it sounds it sounds ridiculous to do, but the but but see here's the thing right if we go back to our earlier concept of what we're talking about if you take that negative right and you go okay that's a negative we have to dumb down these things lowest common denominator lowest hanging fruit right but if you take that very same thought and you flip it on its head what a better thought would be is ah If I really want to reach the most people, I have to speak in the most common language. Right? And you don't make it a negative statement. You just go, okay. Right? How can I take... Now, now, again, this is not what you need to do. But but a question like you could ask is, how can I take my music, my comedy, my art and... Keep it genuine in the way that will make me feel satisfied as an artist, but make it relatable to the public if I want to have a commercially viable career. And it's like, that's, you know, when I'm sitting here writing blues-based songs and all this other stuff, I'm writing stuff that I genuinely like. But I also genuinely like the stuff these days, that I think would be commercially viable. But that is a thought in my head, right? Like, when I'm writing lyrics and I'm writing things, it's like, you know, the producer in me is like, well, this is way too complex. It's not too complex an idea. It's too complex an explanation of the idea, an expression of the idea. I have to find a way to distill the idea down to simpler forms, you know?
0: You're making me think two thoughts right now. Mm-hmm. Um, one is of Sting and the other is of the Spin Doctors, so uh, stay with me. <laughs> um, you know the Sting story. Okay. Uh, he was in the studio recording a song. I don't remember what song. I don't remember anything. All I remember is the quote, and you'll recognize this. Uh, might have been Vinnie Colaiuta, whoever was doing drums. Uh, They were doing something, and the drummer did uh, played a riff, and then Sting said, hey, that was awesome. The 10 drummers that buy the album are really going to like that. Now play something that'll be good on the
1: record. Right, exactly. Yeah.
0: And the the Spin Doctors thing was, uh, everybody's heard of a one-hit wonder. You have one song, and it goes big, and they go away, and you're like, oh, too bad for them. Well, Spin Doctors had two hit songs. It was, you know, they had... uh, Uh, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong and Two Princes, I think. I don't know. Uh, But they had had two huge songs, which means they were primed to go with their next album. And I remember, I I wish I could find it. I wish I could find the interview where he said, hey, our new album's coming out. We're really going to challenge the audience. Like last time, we're going to challenge radio. We're going to challenge our listeners. Last time we had these really poppy, catchy tunes. Now we've got something that's sort of weird and funky and jazzy. It's called Cleopatra's Cat, (laughs) <laughs> and it shit the bed because it was bad. It it was not, you couldn't whistle it. You couldn't tap your foot to it. It was not what anyone wanted to hear. And they went, yep, moving on. And, yeah, so <laughs> you're right. Don't challenge people. They don't like being challenged. And if they do, I mean, you can. There's Miles Davis. He challenged people all the time. Yeah, but... but uh, he was still a club jazz musician. He was yeah. never playing stadiums.
1: But, I mean, and when he was playing stadiums, you know what he was playing? Pop music. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, and, and I love Miles. Miles is one of my, he's one of my guys, right. man, I, can,
0: I can put on Kinda Blue or Bitches Brew but, I mean, any day but, of the week. I
1: mean, but listen, from a real perspective, what he was doing in Kinda Blue relative to bebop is pop music.
0: Oh, Kind of Blue is immense, it's 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 probably oh, the most, you put that, stand, you stand Kind of Blue next to Monk's Dream by Thelonious Monk, mm-hmm. people are going to listen to Monk's Dream and go, what the fuck is this dissonant noise? Yeah, right. Whereas Kind of Blue, they yeah. go,
1: right. I, I he, could fuck to this, right. he, I could fuck absolutely. to Kind he, of Blue. He took away, he didn't take, but again, he didn't take away what was genuine, he didn't take away the swing, the feel, the vibe, he didn't take away any of that stuff. What he took away was a lot of extraneous notes. That's what he took away. Yeah, that's true. Like, and 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 I I feel like there's something to be said for that, right? Like, people, but you know, Coltrane kind of did the opposite. Coltrane added notes. You know what I mean? And Miles took them away, right?
0: Giant steps, right? (laughs) Notes, Right.
1: (laughs) right, right. But I mean, but you listen to all the like, there's something to be said for like, for finding a way to reach the most people, and I think that's what I've learned as an adult, right? Like. Flipping those thoughts on their head. When I find myself saying something like, oh my God, people only like this. That sucks. Uh, you know, go instead of going, "uh" and going like that sucks, go, oh, people only like that. What does that mean for me? Does that mean, is there a world in where, is there a Venn diagram in which my art, like financial security, my art And what I love to do, and what the public really wants to hear—is there a place where those three circles intersect? And if there is, that's where I want to live. Do you know what I mean? Right? Like I want to live within my integrity, within my value system, but also make a living doing what I love. Right? And and I—and we—this is where it ties back to belief systems. The thing that has changed most for me in the past 18 months is my belief that that's an okay thing to do. Right. Like the world supports starving musicians, starving artists. Star- like the world supports that emotionally. Right. Like like when you like if you don't make a lot of money, your wife's not surprised. She doesn't care. She supports the fact that you don't make a lot of money. She'd actually be more surprised if you made a whole lot of money. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean like yeah. like if you came home and you made one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you'd be like, oh, my God, she'd be shocked. I don't even know if she'd like it. You think she'd like it, but she might not actually like it. You know what I mean? You're
0: like, wait a second, I'm no longer the power. Right, in like,
1: right, house. Like, right. It, like, Ashley might disrupt your lives in a way that is very uncomfortable for her. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't think that. I got to tell you, you this, know?
0: I would absolutely be willing to take that risk. Right.
1: Because <laughs> I could buy a new wife with 150 grand. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, baby. I know that's not where you, you were going with it. But, but. Well,
0: no, but that's what I talked about on stage last <laughs> night. Um, uh, with the, uh, the the Marines, the biker bar, right? Um, I, I went off script. I was j- I, I just talked about my only life regret, which was the fact that I've never been with a Filipino prostitute.
1: <laughs> um, That's your only regret, really? <laughs> that one?
0: Well, I mean, because every time I went to Japan and was in a hooker bar, I was in a relationship, and I'd be like, oh, I've got to be honorable, I can't cheat, and then I'd get dumped, and I'm like, fuck, I should have cheated. Right. And it's not, I mean, because they were all really hot, but it's just something I want to tell the grandkids someday. Yeah, I had sex with a Filipino prostitute. It's like, right. it's a rite of passage, I guess. And that's why
1: know. you were born with herpes simplex 15. <laughs> <laughs> but, but just in case you wanted to know, I really have a good story for you for why you have that sore.
0: It's <laughs> <Yeah>. It's hereditary. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, this is this is probably as good a point as any to sign off because we've been going for uh, over oh, an hour now, I, and I, I, everybody tuned out a long time ago. Are these fuckers just going to talk about their lives. Well, what the fuck? I mean,
1: here's what I'll say. I was actually thinking halfway through. This is just a better conversation than it is a podcast. But um, maybe,
0: but, but maybe it's also us being genuine. Uh, uh, someone that likes to be a fly on the wall could go, "Ooh, this is interesting." I
1: mean, I would say if you check out On Being. Krista Tippett has a podcast on being that I love, um, and the way they do theirs. Well, are you, you're still recording now, right? So we should talk about. Yeah,
0: this we're recording. Now. Let's sign off. We'll,
1: let's sign off, and then we'll talk about this. Um,
0: all right, Barrett, uh, Antar Goodwin. The site is antargoodwin.com. Correct. Yeah,
1: antargoodwin.com. Actually, and it's all. And katiehenrymusic.com. Henry yeah, katiehenrymusic.com, antargoodwin.com most of the dates are up there the band it's a blues rock band it's really fun if you like blues rock and like you know watching like we really go for stuff like we really like we we do our own stunts and we we fly without a net you know what i mean so we really go for and shit, what i, you know what I, I
0: mean? so. just on a personal note with you is uh, just the short little snippet of intro and outro music on this very podcast was written, uh, and played, performed, oh, and produced uh, by you.
1: That's true. That's right. So I mean,
0: anybody that uh, wonders like uh, that 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 sort of rhythmic, uh, sort of I'm not even sure how you describe it. Just uh, the repetitive, in a good way, not redundant, repetitive. That it, if you if you've ever listened to that and gone, I like that intro. What is that? That is Antar Goodwin.
1: There um, it is. I should listen back to it and make sure it still sounds good. <laughs> yeah, you can send me an updated version if you want. I'll that. put it on there. <laughs>
0: All right, antargoodwin.com, katiehenrymusic.com, nathantimmel.com is me, and uh, thanks for tuning in, and if for some reason you got something out of just listening to us uh, yap at one another, then uh, hit the share button, tell your friends, and write a nice review. Yeah, indeed. All right.
1: All right, see ya.